Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, before we get started, I want to share with you something I put together for you. I have a fun new quiz that is pick these hashtags and we'll tell you how to target your audience. We know so many of you are small business owners and creatives who are using Instagram to up-level the exposure of your business. And so we really wanted to help you reach the right people. It's a fun, quick quiz, and I guarantee you it will deliver results. So check that out. I've linked it up in the show notes. It's also in my Instagram bio and on my website. Let me know your results. I'm excited to hear. Welcome back for another week at the Radiant Podcast. Today, you are going to love my conversation with Kat Armstrong. She is the founder of Polished Dallas, a friend and mentor, and someone who delivered a message a year ago that changed my life. It was, what is living on the other side of you like? And you guys, that was a wake-up call. I was living at this pace, working 80 hours a week, feeling like I'm a girl boss, I'm hustling, this is what it takes to get started. But I wasn't thinking about what it's like for those living on the other side of me. So Kat's message totally rocked my world and sent me on a year of soul-searching and inner healing and growing with God. So I know you're going to love this episode and find her just as inspiring as I do. Hey, Kat. Hi. I'm so glad you're joining me today. I know it's taken us a couple rounds of scheduling, but I am thrilled. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, we're here. We did it. So I'm really (laughs) excited. And you know, I, I mean it when I say I've listened to so many other interviews with you and I loved hearing you at Camp Well. Um, And I would love for you to just start by sharing your story because I just find it fascinating and I know our listeners will love to hear that as well. Sure. I was just finishing up some new design work on my personal blog and website. And so I just had to write out a little bit of my story and it really begins in Houston. I'm a Houston girl born and raised and I always joke that... um, I'm a true Houstonian and the Houston humidity ruins my curls. And if for our listeners that maybe haven't seen me, my hair is like Diana Ross curls, just so huge. And so it's so funny. I always start my story with, I'm so glad I don't live in Houston anymore because humidity is bad for curls. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just makes my hair huge, like massive. (laughs) I love humidity for my hair. Mine does nothing in Colorado. Oh, yeah, maybe we can switch. I mean, the grass is always greener. Um, But so yeah, my my story starts in Houston. And I moved to College Station for college. And those were really formative years for me. I know they are for most people. But that's where I fell in love um, with God and really started my faith journey. In college, I met my husband in college. We started dating. We were married before I even 
before I was a senior in college. Um, so we usually joke that we, we spent our 20s together and feel like we grew up together. Um, and we both knew we wanted to go into uh, ministry work. We know we knew we wanted to be a nonprofit, and so we moved to Dallas to go to Dallas Theological Seminary. And it took—I always joke that it took me just shy under a decade to get a two-year degree. So I have a master's in Christian education. It's a two-year degree, and it took me eight years to graduate. Hey, you did it! <laughs> but yes, D for diploma. Um, we graduated in 2011, and during that season of going to seminary, I fought a battle, an internal battle, of whether I should be in business or should I be in nonprofit. And really, the problem started when I started selling skincare to make ends meet. I thought, you know, I could, I want to contribute. I want to help put us through graduate school. So I started selling Arbonne, and it's a Swiss skincare company. I was with them for many years. I was one of the youngest vice presidents in the company, and I still to this day, if it is not Arbonne, it doesn't touch my face or my skin or my hair. Um, so I'm just a total Arbonne product junkie, and the Arbonne sales put us through through seminary. Wow. Um, and I, I just remember feeling that thrill of, wow, I found something I really love. I love I love sales. I love persuasion. I love the skincare. And so I had an internal battle going on because during the day I was in classes and learning about the Bible. And that was my greatest passion at that point. But then I would feel this pull into the business world. Well, I'm having success and I like sales. And so part of my coping mechanism to try to figure out what do I want to do with my life? What's my next assignment? As I started meeting with Stephanie Giddens, she and I were both seminary students. We were both working full-time, both newlyweds, and we had been in ministry together in college. And so we reconnected here in Dallas. We started meeting once a week to pray. And honestly, it was, hey, we both need to cope. Why don't we get together once a week and just <laughs> share, like try to help each other through grad school? And that resulted in us swapping stories. Every week, it felt like we would show up and talk about the young professional women we were meeting in our full-time jobs, and then this growing passion we had in seminary to take what we were learning and make it relevant for the women we were meeting in our everyday lives. And so that passion started to grow, and then she decided to write her thesis paper on the topic, and then I decided you know, what if we partnered up and we did something together? And in 2008, Stephanie Giddens took me to coffee. I thought it was going to be just a normal <laughs> weekly meeting. And Stephanie leaned in that day at Starbucks and she said, let's do something. And I remember the way she said it and the conversations that had led up to this moment. It wasn't just a, hey, let's grab coffee or let's contribute to our generation. It, I knew it was, join me in building a dream. Let's, let's do something that's never been done. Let's reach a demographic that's never been reached. And she, I always joke that she had me at hello. I mean, <laughs> um, Stephanie is the kind of person that you just huddle up for the play call. Like she's just, she's brilliant. She's a, a visionary. And I knew that if she wanted to do something, I wanted to be a part of it. So um, 
Polished was born that day. It didn't have a name. It didn't have a website. We didn't have a 501c3. I mean, we just had an idea. And so what she and I decided to do is for a year, we continued to meet and we would just meet and pray and, and say, okay, what, what do we feel like God's wanting us to do in this assignment to reach young professional women with the gospel? And uh, that's where we, you know, the fun parts, Kelsey, where you like mission statement and vision and values and what should our name be and what should our website be and how do you become a 501? You know what I mean? How do you even do that? So we got to share that part of our journey together and I'm so grateful for Stephanie. And so Polished was born in 2008, but we started doing our events in 2009. And I think that's important, you know, people who are listening into your your podcast to know they look at someone like you, Kelsey, and they think, oh my gosh, look at all she's doing. And she probably just had this idea last night and made it happen. <laughs> nope. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, I, I cannot tell you how many young women I meet that aspire to innovate and to build something new. And I tell them, look, I've been doing this almost a decade and I have failed more times than I have succeeded. If anything, I feel a little battered and bruised up by the journey and yet so renewed in my passion to keep going. But so it took a year of us just formulating a game plan. Um, Whereas I see people now that are able because of Squarespace and Slack and virtual assistants and all these things, they can just launch, right? Yeah. And it took us a year to even just formulate what we were going to do. And so we launched our luncheons in May of 2009. So I just celebrated my nine-year anniversary doing this and my eight-year anniversary doing events. Um, and we've now done over 160 luncheons in five different cities We've reached over 12,000 people with the gospel, and we've got 20 cities waiting on us to launch polished chapters wow. in our city. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, it's crazy to, it's really insane. Wow. I am, I am just like so fascinated. So something you said is it took you a year. What would you have to say to our listeners who are kind of in that like, not waiting because you were in it, like you're building in that year. But but I have that question as well. What advice would you have to give to people kind of figuring that out and figuring out what works and what doesn't and the discouraging seasons, all of that? Yeah, no, those are great questions. I think the word that comes to mind is capacity. I talk a lot about this anytime I can get in front of business women or dreamers and doers. The, the concept of capacity is unique to every individual. So your capacity is different than mine. And when we come to a place personally to accept that and go, you know what, Kelsey, I, I mean, you may be able to launch things faster and broader than I may ever be able to. And coming to a place where I'm totally okay with that. And also on the flip side, when women come to me and go, I I would never want to start something. I, I've got a full-time job that's corporate that I love, and I can't even comprehend what you do. And so you find your place in the middle going, my capacity is my own. I've got limits that I have limits. I'm married. I have a child. He's young. Um, you know, we've got student loans we've got to pay off. And so I've got some limitations on me that limits my capacity. And I think that 
that brings a lot of freedom to women who are innovators to go, you know what, you don't look to your right or your left and compare yourself on what you can or cannot do. You got to find what's your max capacity and go full throttle to that level. And so for me during that year, I was full-time at school. I was working a normal job. I was a newlywed. My husband was interning at a church. There were some limitations on me. Um, and so I, I always encourage influencers and innovators, Hey, why don't you chart out like, what's your capacity right now? What you, what could you do in this season? And then max that out. Um, but if you stay within those limitations, you'll give a lot of grace to yourself. You won't feel competition with other women around you that are, have a different capacity it brings a lot of freedom. So that would be prime number one. Um, and then what was the second part of your question? You said, um, how do you like, uh, gosh, that answered so much of it. So I'm, I'm so satisfied, but, um, <laughs> what, how do you deal with like the discouraging seasons or the in-between where it doesn't feel as big as, you know, your vision is for it to be like, you're still building. Yeah. I just wrote about this for if gathering, um, you know, if gathering puts out a part called if equip and their most recent study that they're doing right now, um, I wrote for them and it was on exactly this topic. You know, when you don't see results, when you feel a little battered and bruised by the journey of dream building, creating something new, or just simply breaking out of your pattern. You know, a lot of women feel like I am in the cycle of life. I do this every day. I come home and then I do this every day and then I sleep and it starts over again. And there are women listening right now that are like, I just, I want to break the cycle. I want to start something new or do something different. And what I would say about that is that it has taken sometimes 18, 10 to 18 years for me to see true results. And I, I hope that's encouraging and not discouraging because the work we do right now that we can't see the impact is so valuable. And we want to quantify, right? We want to quantify the data and go, how many listeners and how, what's the reach and make some pie graphs and do some surveys. And those are valuable. And we've got to do them because we've got to evaluate if what we're doing is effective. On the flip side, for me as a Christian, um, I look at God's economy that he speaks about in the scriptures. This is this new kingdom, the spiritual kingdom that he's building. And it's not based on numbers. You know, the impact is about every single one by one, each one. And, um, you know, there's a really interesting concept in the scriptures about Dr. Luke speaks about this. He was a contemporary of Jesus. He was one of Jesus's closest friends. And he uh, took the time to write down his experience living at the same time and um, being Jesus's friend. And Dr. Luke puts three stories together for us in his gospel. And it's the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. And what we learn from that passage of scripture is that it's not enough for the living God to have 99 sheep safe with him. He will go out and find the one. It's not enough to have all the riches in the world to own it all. We are his lost coin and he will find us. And we are like the prodigal son. You know, we squander our inheritance and abandon our families and God 
throws a party when we return. And so this is the economy of God that I'm talking about that's radically different than the things we want to quantify. So you look at those stories and you go, you know what's important to God is one by one every single person. And so if what we're doing is impacting one person today, it's valuable. And so I think that's what's um, kept me going. When I look at our operating budget and I look at the obstacles in front of us and you know, we're having a real challenge growing to meet the need, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. But it's, it's, it can be defeating when you know that 20 cities are ready to go, but we don't have the infrastructure ready. We don't have our tools ready and we're getting them ready. But, um, you know, what keeps me going is knowing that I'm trying to do some kingdom living is what I call it, which is really different than what we do in our normal society. I'm trying to focus on impacting one person at a time and knowing that that's super valuable. Um, so I would just say if anyone's listening and they feel discouraged by the journey, if they're innovating or breaking out of a cycle, to keep going. Um, I heard an amazing Beth Moore sermon a couple months ago, and at the end, I can't do it justice because who can do <laughs> Beth Moore justice? You know, like uh, she's the, the godmother of us all. Um, <laughs> but she said something so fascinating at the end of one of her sermons. She just said, just keep getting back up. Just keep getting back up. And she said it over and over and over. I was crying. My husband was crying. As you're listening to this in the car and it's so true. This is what dreamers and doers have to do every day. Just keep getting back up. Man, that cat, seriously, I could listen to you talk all day long. Um, <laughs> wow. So what would you say? I One of your messages that you often talk about, that I heard you talk about at the Well Studio. I don't know if you often talk about it. I started to say that. But um, I heard you talk about it at the Well Summit. And for me, it was life-changing. Okay, so being a doer and you have all these dreams, you, you clearly get stuff done. Um, how do you, how have you come to terms with someone living on the other side of you? Because I know that message you shared for me um, was like a big aha moment because um, my husband is so, like carries so much peace. Like he is good at rest. He's great at doing but I've realized like the pace at which I've lived at for the past two years is not sustainable. And it's probably been pretty difficult for him to live on the other side of me as I've been in this startup hustle mode. So I would love for you to kind of share your heart on that because again, that was like a huge moment for me. Well, thank you for saying that. It's always like we were just talking about impact, you know, like how you keep going. It's when people like you say, hey, that really impacted me. And so that's a good reminder for all of us to reach out to someone and say, hey, something you said or did really made an impact because that fuels us to keep going. Um, you know, that particular message at Campwell Summit, we got really good feedback from it. And I think at the heart of it is some vulnerability on my side to just say, I really haven't done this well in some areas and for some seasons where the people that love me most, my closest family members have given me some constructive, loving feedback, <laughs> which is, um, yeah, you're, you're crazy awesome at pursuing your dreams, but you're also kind of driving us nuts. <laughs> um, so, and it's, you know, it was really hard to hear in those seasons that for some friends, some family, definitely from my husband, Aaron, 
of, um, it's hard to be on the other side of you. And that was really hard to hear. And so I think I've spent the last couple years working through that. And here's what I would encourage um, your listeners to do is to first really chart out some of those five, the top five relationships you have or roles that you play. So for me, it's wife and mother, executive director of Polished. I'm a sister and I'm a daughter. And so I just took some time to journal out, you know, these are the top five roles that I'm fulfilling right now in this season and who gets most impacted in those relationships. And I wrote down those names and then I spent some time just reflecting on what's it like to be on the other side of me in that relationship. And I wrote down one key area that I could improve. And then I also listed out seven things I do well in that relationship because it takes seven atta girls per one constructive feedback for it to really settle in a place where we can like absorb it. And so I wrote down, you know, there are things that I am that are unique about me being a dreamer and doer and being married. I'm great at cheering my husband on in his dreams. I'm a, a flowchart girl. So he'll come home with an idea and I'm like, let's flow chart that bad boy out. <laughs> let's go to the whiteboard in my office and let's make this dream happen. So that's fun, right? As a mm-hmm. spouse to bounce off dreams off of me. Um, I'm very much a stay on task girl in our relationship. So this morning we went and got our passports and I was the girl that printed off all the forms, filled them all out, made the color copies of our driver's license, like had a packet for him, had a packet for me, super on top of it. So I listed out like, these are some pros of being married to me. And then I listed (laughs) out, here's some cons. And uh, to be vulnerable, one would be when you have a lot of dreams and you're doing a lot of things, it's hard to keep up that pace if you're not wired that way. And it's hard to not feel like, Oh my goodness. You have a new dream. I thought we were just talking about the one from yesterday. Like can the dream from yesterday just be enough? Um, and it can't, it can't for people who are are wired to innovate. And I would call it the spirit of Caleb that's in the old Testament. You know, when, when, um, Moses sends out 12 spies and 10 come back and say, there's no way there is no way that we were going to take over that promised land and to come back and say, we can do this. And it was Caleb who said, who, who persuaded the whole crowd to pipe down, to listen up, to remember what God promised them and to go in and kick those giants butts. Um, because God has given us the promised land. I call it the spirit of Caleb and that is in innovators and dreamers and people are starting things. And so we literally cannot help ourselves from having more dreams and having new goals. Oh, I Um, so resonate with this. Right? So, I mean, it's just part of how God made us. And um, so I think here here would be my advice. Encourage people to reflect on those roles and relationships you've got and look at some ways you can improve those. And the question you want to ask yourself is, what's it like to be on the other side of me in this relationship? Um, The good and the bad. And how could I work towards that? And then I think the second piece of advice that was in that talk, Kelsey, that really, I think, resonated with some some people in the audience 
is the second piece of advice is to find dream defenders and to start funneling some of your verbal processing (laughs) um, to your dream defenders. And so there's a difference between a best friend and a dream defender. Sometimes they're the same and sometimes they're not. Sometimes you've got family members or loved ones in your life and like they are your ride or die people. They are going to be your friends forever. But you also need dream defenders and that's almost a totally different category. Dream defenders can handle your highs and lows. It doesn't shake them. So like my friend Hallie Graves, she is just like crazy smart, innovating every day. She has a new idea. She can, she knows she can box me and tell me, and it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I don't ever think to myself, now Hallie, how does today's dream work with yesterday's dream? (laughs) I mean, you kind of need to think this. I never do that to her because I'm her dream defender. And I'm like, go, yes, love it. Do it. (laughs) Um, And her lows don't freak me out. So some of our dream defenders can handle us when we call them and go, you know what? I hate the Radiant podcast today. I don't even want to do it anymore. (laughs) Like I'm scrapping it. We're shutting it down tomorrow. And your dream defenders are like, oh, Kelsey, just sleep on it, honey. (laughs) Just sleep on it, right? But some of our best friends could be like, whoa, Kelsey, oh my God. I mean, what are you talking about? They freak out. And so we have to start categorizing people. And I don't want this to sound harsh at all, but our verbal processing, our highs and our lows, we start funneling those to dream defenders so that our personal relationships don't suffer. And Mm -hmm. so we need to go, is this person just a friend, my best friend forever? Are they also a dream defender? Are they not? And learn some discipline so that when we wake up in the morning and we're freaking out or, you know, if Equip asks us to do something or freaking out about that in a happy way, it doesn't freak people out. <laughs> right. I mean, even this plays in, I mean, this so well plays into conversations with my husband. He, we joke all the time, like, he's like, you do not well, do well with the mundane and I love the mundane. <laughs> and so I will be like, David, let's have a goal to travel somewhere once a month. And he's actually like, I feel very stressed by that. I love roots. I want to be in community. Can you please mm-hmm. travel somewhere once a month with a girlfriend? Because I'll take once a quarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And you know, I realize over time, like every big idea, every new thing that would require us to travel or do something or change our routine causes him like true stress. Sure. <laughs> and a way I can love him and is to, to create some balance and a way he can love me is to meet me in the middle. But maybe I need to process some of those things with Griffin because she can handle mm-hmm. it. And so that, that message you shared was really big for me because um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, um, but I'm a yeah. seven, which is more everything. And my husband <laughs> is a nine, which is peace and harmony and routine and life is great. And so, uh, yes, uh, it has been an interesting dynamic. I, and I actually have been reading a lot of books like Bob Goff is a seven and his wife Maria is a nine. And so I've been mm-hmm. reading about this dynamic quite a bit because I, mm-hmm. I know that the um, extremities in which I live cause overwhelm to David. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, seriously. 
So one thing you touched on earlier that I had a question and then I forgot it and love this message so focused on it, but I want to come back to a question I had. You talk about um, the infrastructure to support your dreams. How do you, um, I would love for you to touch on that point of how to grow at a healthy pace, to not rush into the big because you want to grow in a way that's healthy to where, you know, by the time you reach, you know, having polish in all those 20 cities that you'll be able to sustain it with longevity. Mm. Wow. Those are two of my most favorite words, sustainability and longevity. (laughs) Um, And I joke that I'm really in this for the long game. And I think if you start with that in mind, um, it it really changes your perspective. So a couple things on that. Um, One would be the difference between assignment and calling. I talk a lot about this um, at the Campwell Summit as well. But, you know, we put a lot of eggs in our calling basket. We talk about calling as a society. And when you're a Christian, calling becomes like aligning with God's will, changing the world, and doing exactly what you've been created to do, which is a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. And so I prefer to speak about what I'm doing now, the long game that I have, the sustainability in my assignment. So I use the word assignment a lot. I'm on assignment. God has asked me to lead Polished, and this is an assignment for me. I know that it won't always be my assignment. There's going to be another one at some point. And so I think that that creates sustainability and longevity just in that. It's it's the equivalent to an exit strategy in business. When you're innovating, you don't necessarily have an exit strategy. You might need to, but you may not at the beginning. But if you're thinking to yourself, I'm on an assignment. This isn't my, this isn't, my calling is to God, to love God and to love others. That's my calling for my whole life. But I'm on an assignment right now with Radiant Podcast. I'm on an assignment right now to create to online tools to help women on Instagram. That's an assignment. It relieves you from the pressure to make this the biggest, best thing that's ever happened yesterday and make it come to life today and to just keep getting more awesome. because I think that's the temptation is we all want that, right? Yeah. Um, But instead to think I'm on an assignment and I want to do this assignment really well, knowing that what I learn in this one is going to help me with the next one. So I started that way with polish. That really helped. And then I think, um, man, I had to fight some demons, uh, internal demons of comparison. Man, I just... My friend Kyle has this amazing ministry, multi-million dollar operating budget and a reach across the nation. They're just impacting hundreds of thousands of people a year. And we started impacting 400 people a year, 10 events, tiniest operating budget. And we've grown at a steady incline for 10 years, you know, eight years, nine years. And so that's hard. I had to really fight that. Um, you know, watching people like Jenny Allen and Lindsay Nobles kick off If Gathering and it become a worldwide phenomenon yeah. in hours. You know, I, I'm just going to be trained. Those women are my friends. Like, we are yeah. friends. But it's hard to wake up and go, look at Kyle. Look at Lindsay and Jenny. Look at what everybody else is doing and how fast they're moving. And their operating budgets are 10 times mine. Their reach and their impact is bigger. And I have to come back to, 
I'm on an assignment. God's given me an assignment and I'm here to fulfill that. I can't do what they're doing. My capacity is different. My assignment's different. And I just got to stay on task. And so I feel comfortable with the growth path for us. It looks differently. And I know some people in my life right now feel like, oh, you guys got to go in 20 cities tomorrow. (laughs) And I want to do that. I really do. But I also want to get in 20 cities and I want to stay there forever. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't want to be there for three to five years. Um, And I've done some research on um, some of these, the greats in the nonprofit world that have organizations that are 40, 50, 60 years old. And that's the kind of reach I want to have. I want to have the stay and the longevity. And so that impacts your day to day. You don't feel rushed. Like you feel the pressure of more people need to hear the gospel. I wake up every day feeling that, but I also feel, um, the steadiness of, okay, when we go into a new city, I want to be there forever. That is so interesting that you use those exact words because that is how I've really felt this year. So I'd love for you to touch on, I don't feel a rush. I don't want to rush it. I want to do this the right way. Yep. Yeah. I think the, um, the concept of bootstrapping in entrepreneur for serial entrepreneurs, it's called bootstrapping for nonprofit ministry people. It's a trust God, make it happen mentality. And I get that we do have to bootstrap. Um, we've got to do the side hustle. We got to have a day job and do this on the side. And it's a season. It can be really grueling, but at the end of the day, I think for me, the question is, do I still want to be married when I fulfilled this assignment? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. I love my husband and I want to still be married to him and I want him to still like me and I've got a kid now. And so do I want him to remember me flourishing and creating or do, or am I going to be absent? And I can, I can be create, I can be creating and flourishing and still be present, but it means I've got to temper my enthusiasm. Sometimes I've got to pace myself. Um, and I think when we approach things that way, again, I'm, I'm hoping that your listeners hear the freedom of Christ in this, that they literally are set free to just be free. Um, in their assignment right now and to just pace themselves. And sometimes that means we're going to have to stay in our full-time job for two more years than we had thought we would need to. And guess what? That is okay. It is okay because our calling to love God and love others is way more important than the assignment that we're on right now. Um, And we just got to keep that in mind. Man, that is so good because, yeah, I got to a place where I was like, wow, you know, my husband is getting the worst of me and all these people I'm serving are getting the best of me. And that's not good. And that's not the the legacy I want to leave in this life. And I also don't want to martyr my family in the process. And I want to do it the right way. And if it takes longer, that's fine. And so I love hearing you talk about that. One thing I, um, and this may be for selfish reasons, I'm sure some of our listeners um, are in this position too, but maybe not as many as everyone. Your husband's in ministry. How do you juggle? I love hearing you talk about um, being a pastor's wife, um, but not letting uh, 
not just saying this is, uh, you have a business as well, and that's not your only role. And so I love hearing you talk about that. My husband's in ministry as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, pastor wife life is <laughs> unique. Um, it's thrilling for Aaron and I to be on the same page. You know, we're both in ministry, but we've got our own separate spheres of influence. And um, I actually just added a portion on my website um, under the FAQ section about exactly this question. I get asked this often, how do how are you married and both flourishing in your careers working in separate spheres? Like, how does that work? And I had Aaron, my husband, write a little bit on my website and I wrote from my perspective. So you get two perspectives on that. Um, you know, from his perspective, he, he says that our life is about mutual respect, mutual submission, mutual encouragement. So that mutuality is so important to us that, um, it's coming from both ways. It's not one or the other. So we're supporting each other. Um, and then I think from my perspective, Aaron keeps telling me over and over and over my job as your husband is to see you flourish. He thinks it, I mean, my husband thinks that's his sacred responsibility as my husband to see me flourish. And he gets that from Genesis chapter one and two, that we were created to flourish and co-create with God um, as his image bearers. So Aaron is really serious about that. And, you know, I've been, we've been together 16 years now, married for 15. And you start hearing that enough and it is the fuel to my dreams is knowing that I'm coming home to a man that says my sacred responsibility is to see you flourish, to use your gifts, um, to change the world, to bear God's image. How can I help you do that? And I kid you not, like I treasure him. Don't I, I do not take it for granted, but that's what I'm coming home to right. is a man that's like, you should go for it. He tells me that every time I bring him a new drink, go for it, babe. What do you need from me? to do that. And so he's led the way in this. I've learned from him that that's what it means to love and respect someone. And so now I'm learning to do that with him. It's taken a long time. He led the way in this, but now I'm learning to go, okay, you want to be a lead pastor of a church? How can I help you in that? Like now it's my sacred responsibility to see you flourish in that. And so I, I don't know how to explain it. We just don't compete with one another. We're co-laboring together. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's unique in the sense that my I don't have a single role in my life. I've got multiple. And um, I think that goes back to the capacity conversation. Everybody's wired differently. God made you so unique. And so you just have to press into that and go, how has God wired me? And how does that look like in this marriage? It's going to look like different for everybody. Um, so for us, we feel, um, you know, I hate that phrase power couple. We've had someone said that to us a couple months ago and we were like, ew, that is, <laughs> like, ew, that does not even, that doesn't even sit right because in God's economy, it's about giving away power. It's about helping people, the most vulnerable. This is what life is about. This is like the pinnacle of life. And so we don't feel that way. We feel like we're mutually serving one another. I love that. Do you ever get caught up in the pressure 
of culture's perspective on what a pastor's wife should be. While you've got all of these other endeavors, sometimes it would be expected that that is your only role. But that isn't your only role. Like you said, you have many. Mm-hmm. Yes. The answer to the question is yes. <laughs> I, get caught, I get caught up in it. You know, um, I said this to a couple of dear friends. The bravest thing I do every week is go to church and be myself. That's the bravest thing I do every week. It's not innovating with polish. It's not being Caleb's mom or Aaron's wife. It's showing up to church and being myself. And I think most of it's internal. I don't think it's external. The the elders at our church, oh my goodness, they're incredible. They want to see me flourish. They're cheering me on and supporting me. And I don't feel any pressure from any staff members or even members at our church to do or be something I'm not. It's a beautiful thing. Our church is incredible. It's Dallas Bible Church, free promo, yes. shameless plug. Yeah, get on over there if you're in Dallas. <laughs> Dallas Bible Church in Richardson. It's amazing. Um, I think it's internal. I think it's society has told me that I should be a certain way as a pastor's wife, and I let that get at me sometimes. So the bravest thing I do every week is I go to church and I be myself. Thankfully, I've got a church that affirms that and says, yes. Be who God has created you to be. But yeah, I mean, it, it's hard. There are times when I think um, I'm out of town. I have speaking engagements. My, my most favorite thing to do in life is to teach the Bible to women's groups. So women's ministries, retreats and conferences. And so sometimes I have to miss Sunday morning. And that there's some internal pressure for me of, I'm not there. What are people going to think? You know, Mm -hmm. do they they think I'm not supportive of Aaron or I don't like going to church or maybe they think I've walked away from the faith when reality I'm on, you know, the other side of the nation speaking to a group of women. So, um, yeah, I fight that internal battle and I just keep being brave. That's all I can do. Yeah. I resonate with that so much because a lot of the pressure and expectations I put on myself are internal. It's not like my church is doing that or our community is. It's more internal. And yes, society has told me to be that way, but um, mm-hmm. no one in my direct community is actually putting those expectations on me. It's it's me. <laughs> so I, I love hearing you talk about that because I think um, my husband and I and are both very comfortable with it, have a, a little more non-conventional dynamic when it comes to ministry. He's got his element and I've got mine and you know we're not going to go on staff at a church together he'll go on staff and I'll support him in his dreams and then I've got radiant you know and mm-hmm. so that has been a little more non-conventional for us but we both embrace it and and it's I really um, resonate with kind of how you and your husband function because if anyone is cheering me on my in my dreams, it, it is David. And so I, I just really enjoy hearing you talk about that. So Love this David guy. I want to meet him sometime. He's pretty great. Um, how, what would you have to say? Have you had a lot of mentors in your life? What would you speak to finding a mentor, being a mentor, any of that? Yeah, I've got something on my FAQ on my website on that too, um, because it's such an important question, right? We've got to have mentors. And this is something that we see in the scriptures as a Christian, for me as a Christian, that I see over and over and over in the scriptures of the older generations passing on the faith and life, like everything we need for life and godliness, they're passing it on to us generation to generation. 
And in the Psalms, it says, generations speak to other generations. And then by the time we get to the New Testament, Paul, in some of his letters to church people, are saying, you guys, older women need to be investing in younger women. And so I think this is a critically important part. I also feel like um, I serve predominantly millennials, women between the ages of 20 and 40 that are professional women. And so I feel like I've really got a pulse on what they like and don't like, what they want, and they want relationships Mm -hmm. with mentors. They may not use the word mentor. Um, I think sometimes we think of a disciple maker, someone who meets with you every week and tells you everything about the Bible, or we think in the business world, a mentor is someone who keeps you on trajectory, like keeps you on that career path. You go to them for business advice and when you want to make an internal change in the company and Um, but mentorship, I think for millennials, certainly for me is about a relationship with someone who's a couple steps ahead. Yeah, that's it. I, and you know what it is? I just want access to them. I don't need, I don't want to meet with anybody every week because my schedule's nuts. Um, I don't want that. I want access to a relationship, someone I can call or meet with. And I do have those people. Um, so I was just in a season of evaluation with polished my role and my responsibilities and how we need to, if we're going to grow and the infrastructure has got to grow, what I do has to change and what other people do has to change. We got to add some positions. And so I sought out my mentors in this season. And I like to talk about a personal board of directors. So I kind of have a unofficial board of directors for my life. So there's, I've got a spiritual mentor, Joanne Hummel. We don't talk often, but I know that when I need spiritual direction, she's the person I want to meet with. Yeah. Bill Hen, you know, I've got Bill Hendricks in my life who is a life coach and knows how I'm wired, has been a friend of mine for 10 years. And so he's the person I call when I go, okay, got a professional question. What does the next season look like for me? How do I morph my responsibilities to meet the demands of this new nonprofit? You know, um, And I've got people in my life for different things. So I've actually got jotted out out in one of my journals when I've got a financial question, I'm going to call this person. Spiritual question, I'm going to call this person. And I think um, to cultivate those relationships, I've got something on my website. Andy Stanley gave this awesome talk at Catalyst Conference about how to secure a mentor. And he's like, you don't ask him to be your mentor. (laughs) <laughs> you would like, if it were you, Kelsey, I'd be like, Hey, Kelsey, it's cat. I wanted to know if I could have 30 minutes of your time next week. I've got these two questions for you about social media presence. Mm-hmm. Question number one, question number two, I won't take any more than 30 minutes of your time. I'd be happy to come to your office when it's convenient for you at your earliest convenience. Just let me know. And that, I kid you not, that talk he gave maybe five or seven years has changed my life. I have access to people I should not have access to, but it's because I phrased it that way. Like super low pressure. You know, it's, what's hard when you're seeking out a mentor is if I were to come to you and be like, Kelsey, could you disciple me? You're like, no, I can't like, no, I'm, that's terrifying. I don't know. I don't have time. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what you want. Um, so I think if we approach it that way, we'll have access to people that are really incredible. That is 
the best practical advice on how to find a mentor for our listeners I've heard because I really value that. I mean, I have some women that were in my life through college and then a few years after college and then now I've moved to Colorado and praise God found a woman so quickly that just has transformed my life with her her role in it. And um, I am a huge advocate and I come from a young life background, so it's just in me. <laughs> To value mentorship, and I, I, I have seen so many um, people blossom in the presence of someone who just wants to invest in them, or investing in someone else, you know? And so I, I love that, and I loved your advice there. So for anyone who's just starting out, do you have any recommendations on um, books to read or podcasts to listen to? Um, I always love hearing um, favorite resources. I'm currently obsessed with the Emotionally Healthy Leader. Ooh. And he has got, he and his wife co-author multiple books. It's a whole series. He was a lead pastor for, I'm going to botch all the numbers, but a significant season of his life, like 20, 30 years. Lead pastor, grew a mega church. And develop this program now um, that you can be certified in, but his books are absolutely fantastic. And The Emotionally Healthy Leader, I read it last year. It's Peter Scazzaro. Holy moly. Um, Every single chapter I just devoured. And I think it sets the foundation for anyone, anywhere doing anything. Emotionally Healthy Leader. Um, Awesome. I'm kind of obsessed with John Maxwell and Andy Stanley. I've read everything they've ever written, and I find their resources to be super helpful. I feel like the podcast world now is my go-to resource um, on specific topics. Um, Kelsey, was your question more about people who are like starting businesses or starting dreams? Either or. I mean, any of these resources, I'm going to go find them afterwards anyway. So <laughs> I, yeah. anything that you love that, like you said, you think it is beneficial for anyone, anywhere, or just even a specific little niche that you'd love to share about with people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's super cheesy answer, but I'm really loving my uh, Holman Christian Standard journaling Bible right now because it's a new version for me. It's brand new, and I feel like I'm reading it for the first time sometimes. But um, one of the practices I have that really helps with leadership and innovating is I read the epistles of Paul um, from a different perspective. Usually we read them for... Uh, personal application, like how to change our life to reflect how God wants us to live. And that's awesome and accurate. I sometimes read the epistles from Paul in the, how does he leading his people? It's a totally different way to read. So you could read Ephesians and go, how does he persuade people to follow him? How does he begin conversations when you know they're going to get really awkward later on and he's going to tell them, all the ways they need to improve. How is he leading people in that? And that's been really instructive for me to watch how Paul um, leads people in one of his letters. It's You could read it kind of like a speech or a really long email or a blog post about, you know, how are they, how is he instructing people? That is so good. I can't wait to do that, to read um, any of Paul's letters through the lens of leadership. So I'm really excited. Yay! Wow, that is, I'm just 
Fascinated. I can't wait. So um, before you go, I would love for you to share where our listeners can find you. And if they want to get involved, if they're in Texas where they can get involved, any any links you want to share, share away. Okay, awesome. Shameless plug time. Let's do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think for Polished, for my nonprofit ministry, we gather young professional women to navigate career and explore faith together. So we reach women who feel disconnected from the church, disconnected from the Christian faith. Maybe they're exploring God for the first time or the first time in a long time. And so if you know people who fit that category that are young professional women, we have chapters in Dallas, North Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, and Houston. So we're all in Texas right now. And you can find our website online at polishedonline.org. Um, that's the website, and it'll give you all of our social media and the events that are coming up. You can get plugged in. If you're listening and you're thinking, I want to start Polished in my city, girl, yes. <laughs> the answer is just yes. We're going to get to you. So you go ahead online and you tell us that. There's a section that says start Polished in my city. Um so that would be professionally and personally. I've got a website. It's catarmstrong.net and my blog is there. I love to blog. I'm a little sassy, so I will forewarn your readers. Um, and I guess I should also say that the views on my blog do not reflect my church, my seminary, or polished. They are my own. They are my own views. Um, but there, that's where you can learn more about me and see some of those FAQs we talked about. Um, I also... Um, my side hustle right now and my passion really is speaking to women's groups. So if you've got people listening that need someone to speak at their conference or retreat or women's group for Christmas, luncheons, you know, that's what I do. I love to do that. So you can find all my info online. Oh, Kat, seriously. I can't wait for our listeners to check you out. I think I'll be in Texas next year. So hopefully we can actually meet in person. <gasps> And I just thank you so much for joining me today. It's such an honor, Kelsey. You're doing good work, girlfriend. <laughs> hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Oh,